Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, America, and happy President's Day. Yes, it is Monday, February 21st, 2022, and you are listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Today, we've got a very special interview, somebody I got to know and watch and cover 20-plus years ago when the Clintons were in the White House, back when Bill Clinton was president and Hillary Clinton was first lady and there was a raging scandal called whitewater encompassed a lot of different things the travel office scandal and some firing of of career people in the white house the whitewater real estate deal the rose law firm billing records and ken Starr was named the original whitewater independent counsel he had a lot to say and guided that investigation for a long time that eventually evolved into the impeachment investigation of bill clinton and his illicit affair with monica Lewinsky, a white house intern but one of the most important and lasting findings of the whitewater investigation was mrs clinton's honesty during the investigation, which the Whitewater prosecutors called into question, and the possibility that she engaged in obstruction of justice by hiding her Rose Law Firm billing records, which were very important to the Whitewater probe. They were missing. No one could find them. They were under grand jury subpoena. And then they showed up one day in the White House residence where only Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, and a very small few number of people could have them. An aide accidentally found them. And at the end, Whitewater prosecutors actually drafted up an indictment, considered indicting Mrs. Clinton, and of course, eventually criticized her harshly for her honesty and potential obstruction of justice in the final report. The man who assembled that final report, who brought that investigation to conclusion, is joining us today. Robert Ray, the former Whitewater Independent Counsel, one of the most influential and important legal voices here in Washington, D.C. We have him for the whole hour. Step back, get ready. We're going to have a great interview right after this commercial break. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower 
your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down, my blood sugar is down, my weight's down, my health is up, my sleeping patterns are better, my metabolism is up. If you wanna experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. My next guest, a very special guest, someone who has worked in this town as a federal prosecutor as the final independent counsel for the Whitewater investigation back in the Clinton, Bill Clinton era. Joining me right now is Robert Ray. Bob Ray, great to have you with us. Nice to be with you. You did some pretty amazing work, and, and we were talking offline that, uh, unfortunately, um, America's muscle memory is pretty short these days. We don't remember back so long ago, but 30 years ago, Hillary Clinton was staring down another federal prosecutor, not John Durham, but uh, Ken Starr and you in this very important Whitewater investigation and there was this, uh, you were having a lot of attacks and she was attacking the prosecutors in the system then. Do you see some parallels to what's going on right now? I think one of the things that grew out of the independent counsel statute and the politicization of uh, prosecution of uh, or investigation of high level government officials is that everybody came to the conclusion that the best way to defend was to go on offense in the in the political realm in, ter- in terms of trying to undermine um, the legitimacy of the prosecutor and also to turn public sentiment against the prosecutor uh, to the point where, you know, the public just felt relief and exhaustion over, you know, any efforts to hold anybody accountable. And so that's the playbook. Um, I, you know, I can't say it's necessarily exclusively within the realm of the Clintons to do this. But it is sort of the surefire way um, to attack what is, you know, in the American system of government, a limited amount of time by a prosecutor to try to, consistent with public sentiment, um, investigate and hold those responsible for uh, 
um, conduct that's illegal accountable. And so it's a, it, you know, it's very difficult to do. You don't have much time to do it. And then, of course, at the same time, you're battling in the public realm efforts at every turn to undermine your legitimacy. And so that that's what you know, that that was going on then. You know, I left 20 years ago. Yeah. And it's still it's nothing really new now. It's uh, it's still happening. It's pretty amazing. And, and so the 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 goal is to use the court of public opinion to dirty up the prosecutors or confuse the public or tire out the public before it actually gets to the court of law. That seems to be the playbook, right? Right. And it, it, what it does is, that, you know, you can withstand that, I think, in the ordinary processes of um, uh, the court system and, and juries and, um, and and that sort of thing. But the problem is at that high level. Um, public sentiment has a way of, of of going away quickly, and then you know then you the rug is cut out from underneath you in the political process. So essentially, it's an effort to run out the clock. Is really what it is. Yeah, such an amazing uh, strategy. We saw it play out. There's the muscle memory that's most important to me as we look at this is we evaluate whether what John Durham is looking at at the Clinton campaign is, is criminal. Is let's take people back to the 1990s. You have the Whitewater investigation going on, and one of the big questions is was uh, there fraud involved in the Rose Law Firm representations, particularly of the SNL at the time, uh, James McDougal's SNL. And uh, you need a key piece of evidence, and that is Mrs. Clinton's billing records are missing from the law firm. She says she doesn't have them. Tell the American public what happened after you, you subpoenaed them and uh, were searching for them for such a long time. Well, it was during the course of the Starr investigation, and it went on for a very long time. There was all kinds of litigation about it that led up to you know the attempts to enforce the subpoena. And then Whenever, when eventually when investigators and the investigation closed in on it, you know, lo and behold, where do the, the Rose Law Firm billing records end up? But on the third floor of the White House in a box. <laughs> in the residence, right? Yeah, in the residence right, where right. Clinton lived. Yeah. Yep. Uh, odd place for a place uh, for missing records to show up. Um, your investigation. Which means, you know, a place which only, you know, people have limited access to, which would That's be right. the family right. and, and, and Secret Service agents. So it's, a, it's an odd place. Uh, for for them to uh, to end up. Yeah, they sure were. And I think it was odd enough that your team believed that maybe there was an obstruction of justice case to be made against then the first lady. Um, tell us, walk us well, through. Well, that's another tactic, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, what, when you look at this, um, you know, every investigation, of course, has a course. And the fastest way to undermine it, uh, you know, are the wins that we just talked about, which is to undermine public sentiment. But, of course, there's all the usual ways in which um, the targets of an investigation attempt to undermine an investigation, and that is obviously to alter testimony of witnesses, to make false statements to investigators when they ask questions, and then other, you know, more obvious efforts to attempt to obstruct justice, which includes, you know, efforts to hide evidence or obscure um, um, evidence that investigators are legitimately trying to capture uh, again, with a limited amount of time to do it in order to make progress uh, in the investigation, you know, leading hopefully to holding those uh, responsible to account. Yeah, I run out the clock on the statute of limitations, for instance, right? Those are things that they... Well, that's, yeah, that's one. And then, you know, the other is even before you get to a five-year statute of limitations, I think it's just generally true. I've said this on many occasions that, you know, an investigation takes on a life. It has uh, you know, a course of years to uh, accomplish its desired ob objectives. And then after that, it's really a case of diminishing returns. You know, memories fade, 
the country moves on, the political process moves on. So, you know, you're not talking about a stretch of five years to be able to accomplish results. It's kind of in the 18 months to three year category. You you get in there, you do what you can do, and then you have to get out. And that's all the time that you have. Yeah, such an important thing. to and, and John Durham's coming up on three years, so he's right in that window of... Uh, so he's right in, yeah, I was yeah. I was just going to mention that. I mean, right now, he, it seems like he has the protection of the political process. On the one hand, President Biden has made a representation, which would be hard to go back on, that he will not interfere with the processes of the Department of Justice. And I think it would be odd for the Attorney General Merrick Garland to try to shut this investigation now, at least for the immediate foreseeable future, but all bets may be off once the midterm elections pass and we we head into another presidential cycle. Uh, that administration may be less concerned about the optics of trying to shut down that investigation and more concerned about where that investigation might lead. And so, I, you know, I, again, I don't think he has much more time before the political process is going to take over. Yeah, such a good point. And it's it's uh, people have to realize, particularly in Washington, big political cases, politics do have an impact on these things. Uh, prosecutors. Well, the right yeah, the right thing to do is to not interfere with the investigation. Right. But of course, politics is going to get in the way in that yeah. uh, of that. And if the administration feels threatened by this investigation, meaning if it threatens certain people who like, for example, Jake Sullivan are part of the current administration, right. but were also knee deep, apparently, in whatever was going on that John Durham was looking at. That represents a threat to uh, the president's possible reelection. And if that were to uh, stand in the way, you know, which is going to give way. The investigation is going to give way and they'll shut it down. Yeah. Very important thing to be watching. We all need to watch that. I want to go back to your assessment back in the 90s because it's been now widely reported. It's well known. I think some of the documents have even been released under the Freedom of Information Act that you guys actually drafted up an indictment and considered indicting Mrs. Clinton uh, uh, because of the behavior, particularly related to the Rose Law Firm records. Can you bring us back to that time just a little bit about why prosecutors were so concerned about her behavior specifically? Well, that part uh, really was more I did comment about it because I wrote the final reports, but that occurred under the Arkansas phase of the investigation under Ken Starr, which was my predecessor. And so there were other people who uh, like Hick Ewing and others that uh, considered um, the appropriateness of of bringing charges. Of course, you know, the bottom line was that at the end of the day, we didn't. Um, I, you know, I will say that, though, with regard to both this, meaning what you're referring to, Whitewater and the Rose Law Firm records, and then also some parallel conduct in other contexts like um, uh, the FBI files uh, investigation and the travel office and so forth. I mean, there was some serious question about whether or not Hillary Clinton had told the truth to investigators. And while ultimately I decided that it wasn't appropriate to bring a false statements or obstruction of justice prosecution, I mean, I did in the final report make findings, including with respect to the travel office that Hillary Clinton provided false information, whether or not that was provably false to constitute false statements or perjury uh, was, an, you know, another question. I mean, it was, that was gets into questions and there were some complicated questions of intent and what, you know, you would be able to prove under those circumstances. But the, there was no question that false information uh, was fed to investigators. And there was no question with regard to the billing records that it was unexplained as to how they ended up on the third floor in the residence of the White House. So and those things did seriously hamper, which is something I also commented about, the ability of the Whitewater investigation to uh, proceed to an appropriate conclusion. Yeah, 
it's it's uh, that report was so important for what it what it spoke about. Um, it's kind of ironic that Mrs. Clinton begins her career in Washington, and one of the greatest political scandals in American history. She's a young lawyer on the Watergate committee, and then when she moves into the political sphere, when she moves into the Richard Nixon sphere, uh, there's been multiple instances now where her conduct, her behavior, her honesty. Uh, have come into question. Uh, And you look back, I think you got a good sense of the whole Clinton family, the Clinton enterprise, as you wrote that final report. Uh, Just any irony that someone that pursued political corruption uh, earlier in her career seems to be surrounded by it at the back end of her career. Well, there's all kinds of ironies. I mean, that that included, I mean, while the, during the time that I was independent counsel, the most useful precedent in terms of how to handle an investigation uh, of a president, of course, was Leon Jaworski uh, and the Watergate era. Right. And so I paid close attention to that and, of course, was well familiar with the people that uh, comprised that investigation, both uh, by Jaworski, led by Jaworski, who uh, succeeded Archibald Cox. And, of course, Hillary Clinton was one of uh, those lawyers assigned to the investigation. So, sure, I mean, you know, you, you certainly were reflecting on on the precedent, I I was well aware, of of course, of the fact that the independent counsel statute itself came into being as the result of Watergate. Watergate. So that was really the second, you know, major piece of it. And then, of course, you know, in in my time after leaving the office of independent counsel, I mean, ultimately, I came to represent President Trump in connection with an impeachment uh, of a president, which, of course, hadn't happened since, um, you know, the efforts that were underway at the time that uh, Richard Nixon resigned. So it all, you know, it all kind of came full circle to me. And you just, you know, you sit there and you think, I, I, I can't believe this is happening. You know, when I was a young person, I followed Watergate. Yep. Uh, the independent counsel statute was passed and enacted. I became an independent counsel. And then I faced the question of impeachment and defending President Trump against um, yet another effort to impeach. So, um, yeah, there's there, there are ironies all around, and the same group of players keep showing up. Isn't that funny? They do. Yeah, no, it's an amazing. They, Washington they is a small town. There's no doubt about it. Um, I want to. I know you're not part of the Durham investigation, but it seems now pretty clear that there is a storyline emerging from the evidence that's now in the record from Congress that uh, Hillary Clinton paid for an operation uh, to try to connect Donald Trump to some sort of Russia collusion, Russia conspiracy. Uh, The people she ends up using do what appear to be some bad work, at least in the case of Christopher Steele, because the FBI has pretty much torn apart his dossier and identified it as problematic. Uh, His own key witness disowns it. Then there's a parallel operation. While that's going on and Christopher Steele's not getting much traction with the FBI, it turns out. My, uh, Michael Sussman, her lawyer, is overseeing another project, which is to this this potential uh, that there was a secret communications channel at the Alpha Bank in Moscow where Donald Trump and the Kremlin are talking. That's been ruled out multiple times by Bob Mueller, by Durham, by uh, the Congress, and, and of course, originally by the FBI early on. But it seems as though ev- the new evidence that Durham puts out there is that at the time, the uh, the Clinton machinery was trying to give this to the FBI, give it to uh, uh, the CIA later. There were warning signs inside their own camp that the information they had was not accurate. The, there are emails now made public that said that uh, this whole idea of the Kremlin uh, having a secret line to Donald Trump was a red herring. It wouldn't pass the smell test. Those are actual you know quotes from the emails inside the firm. 
when you're looking at this, is it possible they're looking at the possibility that Hillary Clinton was knowingly, or the Hillary Clinton machine was knowingly giving the FBI misleading information? Sure, that's one of the concerns. And then also even, uh, you know, accepting that, you're still left to wonder, are, are there, you know, are, are there innocent dupes within the, the FBI and the intelligence community? Or is the truth somewhere, you know, over to the other side, which is that they weren't innocent dupes at all, but they were they were using this as an effort to to take an investigation where they wanted it to go, you know, irrespective of what the facts would actually bear out to be something that was sustainable and provable and one that should actually be legitimately within the concern of the intelligence community. In other words, there were a lot of angles being played with politics about what the desired result was. And there, I think there were people who came to the conclusion, you know, much as, as the efforts later, four years later in the reelection campaign, that, you know, essentially we don't want to have Trump as the answer under any circumstance. And we need to use whatever it is we have available to us to ensure that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And of course, the danger of that is, is obvious. I mean, that's a direct interference with the political process. Um, and it's also using the levers of prosecutorial power, investigatory power by the FBI, and even more significantly and severely, our own intelligence community against our own political process. So, you know, that's a very dangerous thing. It's It's been apparent to many of us, including you, from the very beginning. And that's why it's so important to get to the bottom of this. I don't know whether or not John Durham will be able to pin the tail on the donkey. And I don't know when you say, you know, the auspices of the uh, of Hillary Clinton and the Clinton campaign, you know, it didn't obviously decisions weren't made, you know, just uh, in a vacuum. There were people who obviously were pulling those levers and it's not clear whether they'll ever be able to hold those responsible accountable. But it, it doesn't diminish the fact that this is important and it needs to be followed through, whether by this particular prosecutor or ultimately uh, by Congress, uh, should uh, Republicans take control of the House uh, and or the Senate um, in the midterm elections. I have, and like you, I mean, I've had many interactions with the FBI, and I, I have such respect for the daily agents that go out and do things. They protect us. They, but there's a there's a, a an etiquette of behavior, a touch of behavior in this case that I've never seen in anything else I've ever done or covered as a reporter. You, we now know one FBI lawyer literally changed a document uh, to uh, to. And I didn't even think that was possible to happen. I mean, I've seen that happen at lower levels. Right. But you, but you would think that at, at the levels that we're talking about, which is essentially the inner sanctum of power at the FBI and going to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court and submitting uh, information to open up what amounts to electronic surveillance of a presidential campaign, that they would have been exceedingly careful and have checked what they were doing and the people that were, were doing it. And that just didn't happen. And, you know, again, that's something that can't ever be allowed to happen again. Yeah. It's, it's, it's behavior that I've never seen in the FBI in other cases, you know, in other particularly high-profile cases. Uh, but you've got that there. There's a changing of a document. You've got the Steele dossier being crumbling, you know, crumbling in credibility inside the FBI's own review. They have a spreadsheet, and it's like 90% of it they decide is not true. And they got warnings from the CIA that what's in there was infused with Russian disinformation. And the main <laughs> witness that Christopher Steele is using has lied to them, Danchenko. They don't tell right. any of that to the court. And That's in any not- other normal investigative process, uh, which I have seen at any number of levels, that would have been more than sufficient to have caused 
decisions to be made to shut it down. And that also just never happened. That process never really happened. It got short-circuited and avoided yeah. because there were certain people at higher levels, I think mostly for political reasons, who wanted to just see this take its own course. And mm-hmm. again, you know, that means that decisions were made not based on the merits, but because they desired a particular outcome. Yeah. One of the agents that I think epitomizes the good agents in all of the FBI is a guy named Barnett, and he ultimately is interviewed in September 2020, and he gives this incredible description, which is, I'm watching this, we come to the conclusion, the career people come to the conclusion that Mike Flynn shouldn't be indicted, we should shut it down, and then the seventh floor, uh, James Comey and and Andrew McCabe, decide we're going to keep it open despite all the evidence saying we should shut it down, and he, he has this incredible little line he uses, which is, it was like playing a bad game of Clue, which is, you could put any two people in a room and just come up with the conspiracy, whether it was true or not, when you see a career line agent who you know knows his trade inside and out, and he's talking about the culture of the leadership of the FBI, trying to make a bad game of clue and trying to make a case that no facts really fit to, what does that tell you about what's going above in your in your gut? Well, what it tells me is it, it, it I guess in some sense it makes you rethink whether or not FBI directors should be on tenure terms. Um, meaning that, you know, the, the purpose of that was to insulate them from the political process, but essentially it gave them tenure to pretty much do with that amount of power, whatever it is they wanted to do in the political process, particularly post 9-11, when you marry up the FBI with its investigative and prosecutorial function with, um, you know, its input and, and ability to affect what the intelligence community does. And again, for all the understandable reasons, we did that as a result of uh, you know, the response to, um, to terrorism. Uh, what it tells you is that you concentrate that amount of power in one person or a group of people at that level. You better watch out and you better keep an eye on it because all kinds of you know, potential trouble um, is afoot. And, you know, you watch Jim Comey sort of try to angle uh, in the political process, anticipating that Hillary Clinton would be elected and, and acting accordingly so that, you know, he, he didn't take action first that didn't offend the Clinton campaign, but also, frankly, would have pleased them in order to protect his ability to remain in the job. And that, that again, I, you know, that's just dangerous stuff. That, that, that sort of conduct is a, a direct interference with the merits of uh, investigatory activity, and it has uh, repercussions that we've seen. I mean, it, it, it altered um, the, a presidential campaign, and it continued on into the end of the, tr- the Trump administration, um, all the way into a, a, a second campaign. So, you know, I, that, you, you, that's the kind of stuff you have to keep away from the political process. I'm not quite sure what we're going to do about it. You know, we've had efforts to try to deal with these issues by, by passage of an independent counsel statute that didn't particularly work all that well. Then we ended up into special counsel regulations and Bob Mueller's appointment, and we found out that that didn't work particularly well. And then we have uh, an FBI director, you know, in the post-Watergate, post-J. Edgar uh, Hoover uh, era, where we, we give these people 10-year terms and let them at it. Um, with an enormous amount of power that is largely unchecked and an FBI that if left to its own devices can do some pretty dangerous things. So, and we don't seem to have a bipartisan commitment because it just seems to be, you know, wrapped up in the political process where on a bipartisan basis, we should say to the country, look, this sort of thing is the kind of power that left unchecked can cause damage. And that ought to be something that everybody on a bipartisan basis should be worried about. But we don't look at it that way. We just look to see, you know, who the winners and losers are in the political process. 
Yeah, such an important change in mindset. I, I think 30 years ago when you were at the height of your prosecutorial work and I was a young reporter in town, uh, the idea that the FBI's uh, decision-making would be influenced by politics seemed foreign to us. I mean, we just, cops go out and do, they do their job. But this is the case that I think suggests that politics has infused that agency in ways that I could never have imagined. Um we got about a minute left. What do you think is the solution for this? As you look out as a career lawman, what, what, what do you see as a solution here? I think we do need to get back to restoring what, you know, you talk about, which is that it, it should be um, taken for granted that the FBI would not act um, in this fashion. I don't know whether or not that means you know, returning um, the, the the appointment of an FBI director to put it back on a track, which is the same as the administration in office. So there's direct accountability. I mean, that may be one way. In other words, reducing the tenure term back to essentially a four-year appointment um, at the uh, at the pleasure of the uh, of the president. president. Um, I, I I do think that there there's a there needs to be greater efforts at Department of Justice. Um, independence, you know, free from interference from the White House. Um, I, I don't know about appointments of special counsel in the future. I mean, that seems to be fraught with all kinds of difficulty. Although I will say, um, I do think it ultimately comes down to picking good people. And I think, you know, John Durham has the space at least of some time to allow this thing to play out because of his well-earned reputation on a bipartisan basis for being fair and for being nonpartisan. So I do think that's a critical component to this, you know, choosing really good people. But, you know, the problem is, is that, I mean, you know, Bob Mueller was thought of in, in that same way. Ultimately, it gets down to how you conduct yourself and how you conduct your investigation. I think he ran into trouble by picking what seemed to be a fairly partisan group of uh, prosecutors to work for him, which I think was a huge mistake. Um, so, um, you know, again, I, you can probably put all kinds of institutional reforms in place. I'm not sure my own experience has been, I'm not sure that that necessarily adds up to, okay, we don't have to worry about that problem anymore. Ultimately, I think it comes down to good people trying to do the right thing to hold others accountable, free from interference from the political process and, you know, and operating in such a way that, uh, public confidence is restored. That's a very difficult thing to do. Ultimately, I think it's about the people that are selected and that are involved. I don't think you can legislate or implement a series of reforms that really are going to change much of anything. I think it more comes down to who the people are that are doing, um, you know, the people's business in that regard. Yeah, such an important point. Uh, those personnel decisions matter so much. They really they do. do. Yeah. You know, and, and, and minor, you know, what look like, you know, minor mistakes at the beginning get in the, you know, the firestorm that these investigations become, uh, they're amplified and you have to be, um, you know, really careful. I always said that I was one of the few people that escaped Washington from independent counsel land with my head still on my shoulders and my <laughs> reputation reasonably intact. It's true. So, it's true. so you have to, you have to fight even for that. Yeah. No, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a rough and tumble world here. There's no doubt about it. Well, you created a great model, uh, Bob. And I think when people look back, they saw that fairness and honesty in that final report and it put a great closure to that, you know, very scandalous era in the Clinton era. And now we're going to have to see if John Durham can do the same. Well, not. we hope for the best. Thanks, John. I, I appreciate it. Thank you very Great much for having me. On, sir. Thank you. Take care. Be well. You as well. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. 
Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC.us forward slash just news. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition, the President's Day 2022 edition of John Solomon Reports. So grateful you joined me. So thankful that you could be here. And a big thanks to Bob Ray, Robert Ray, the great Whitewater Independent Counsel, a man who speaks a lot of truth, very, very straightforward, candid about the state of everything, the state of the Justice Department, the state of the FBI, what we know about Mrs. Clinton. As you're trying to judge this latest dispute between Hillary Clinton and John Durham, this history, because we all have a short memory muscle, right? We have to remember the last time Hillary Clinton was staring a prosecutor in the face, her conduct, the findings, what prosecutors did. And I think Bob Ray gave us a remarkable insight to Mrs. Clinton, because that history is important for judging this current moment in the investigation of John Durham. All right, folks, have a great night. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. And until then, we've got you covered all the time, 24-7 on justthenews.com. Go check us out. Go download the app tonight. 
We're going to have a new edition of the Just the News, Not Noise television show on Real America's Voice. You can get that on Channel 219 on Dish Network, Channel 240 on Pluto, on the Roku app. You can download the Real America's Voice app. You can watch it on the Just the News app. Download our Just the News app. It's a great way to read our website. Many different ways to watch the show. We've got a great lineup on television tonight as well. You don't want to miss it. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of this podcast. Until then, may God bless you and may God bless this extraordinary country of the United States. You've been listening to John Solomon reports the podcast from Just the News. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.